Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have become very real to us and the power that we uh, experience because of that. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is a short cast, just uh, me wanting to speak for a moment about Easter. We've uh, been doing Easter all week, uh, and typically I try and do all this early, but I wanted to release this early on Easter morning so that uh, if you have a chance to listen to it on Easter, maybe this can be a little Easter uh, treat for you. And I, I pray that it's helpful and, and that it's useful for you. Uh, and, and maybe it's not, and that's okay. But uh, it also gives me a chance to do something that I would like to do, which is to bear testimony of Christ on Easter and of his delivering power. I, uh, I think I'll just share a couple of stories we're talking about when the scriptures become real to us. And, and maybe I'll share those stories. And these stories are about Christ and his suffering in Gethsemane and his crucifixion and his resurrection and the reality of the delivering power that comes from his suffering in Gethsemane and, and from his resurrection. Uh, and and uh, so I'll just share a couple stories. One has to do with, all of these have to do with uh, times I've spent in Israel and in Jerusalem. One of them has to do with when I went first as a, as a 24 year old, I turned 25 while I was there. Uh, and unfortunately I was not as spiritually uh, mature as maybe you should be at 24 or 25. Um, and so I used to go with various friends to a church called the Church of All Nations, uh, built by the Catholics. It's a Catholic church built at Gethsemane. Um, they have traditional rock there that uh, they feel is the rock that the Savior was uh, kneeling on as he suffered there in Gethsemane. I, I suspect it's not the right rock, but it's in the right general area within at least an acre or so of the general area. I used to dislike it. I hated that church. I would go to that church and feel like this is a dark and dreary and oppressive feeling church. And I would say to myself, this is a good example of how they don't have the light and we do. Right. I didn't I hadn't yet come to appreciate um, other faiths and their legitimate and honest and heartfelt worship. And uh, I wasn't very accepting of that. It was kind of a more of a uh, I'm right. You're wrong kind of a mentality that I had. And so I, I didn't like that dark place. Uh, that uh, hard feeling place, and uh, and I felt like I we believe in light, and they don't have the light we do because there's no light in here. Fortunately, uh, I had the chance to mature. It turns out that, uh, and I, I eventually learned this, that they intentionally had that place dark and heavy feeling. They were trying to recreate, to some degree, what it would have felt like for the Savior in that place. They wanted to give us uh, just a hint of the uh, feelings that the Savior went through. There's, there's uh, thorn symbolism throughout. It's, it's, it's really a, a dark, it is dark, and, and, and there are a lot of iron with thorns woven throughout and so on. And uh, that w- was all to uh, help us appreciate what the Savior felt in Gethsemane. And having come to understand that and having come to better appreciate what um other churches uh, uh, and members of others' faiths, uh, their their true devotion to God. Uh, when I went back several years later, so that first time was in 1994. I didn't go back to that church until 2008, so it was a good while later. Um, but um, when I went back, I had the chance to pray in that church. And I knelt down. And I, I, I touched that stone. I don't think it's the right stone. And I'm not that into, you know, like, oh, this is a holy object. But I do believe in touchstones, like sometimes physically feeling something, even if it's not the right thing, physically feeling something 
allows me to think about it a little bit more. And as I touch that stone, and I don't know that the Savior was on a stone, um, greater chance it was laying on an olive tree or something like that. But still, I felt that stone, and I prayed to the Lord to thank him for sending his son and allowing his son to suffer when I'm sure he would rather his son didn't suffer. And I asked him to thank the Savior for me. And I think that to date, that is still the most powerful witness of Christ's atoning suffering and power that I've ever had. I had an incredible experience of the Lord assuring me that Christ really did suffer and how terrible it was, but how powerful it is in our lives and how real it is and how much it can change it. I already knew all of that, but I knew it better by the time I was done there. And it became all the more real to me because I allowed myself to be open to it rather than being closed to it in that place. I don't, again, I don't know that it's the right place, but uh, it, it's, it at least helped me think about it more and pour my heart out in gratitude more. And that made a difference for me. And the idea of the right place also gives me the chance to talk about um, something else that, that I would like to talk about. I, uh, I can remember, again, when I was a student there at the Jerusalem Center, and I would go to um, the Garden Tomb. And I had some really uh, powerful experiences there, some, some strong witnesses that Christ really did resurrect, that the tomb really is empty, uh, that he was resurrected, and that he, because he rose again, because he was willing to die and rise again, I also could rise again. And as a 24-year-old, I, I mistook filling the spirit in that place for the spirit bearing witness that that was the place. Uh, and I felt like this is the, the real place. Now, as I studied more uh, and, and got to learn a few more things, I became convinced that that's unlikely to be the right place. At least that tomb, the, the hill, may be the right hill. That may be the right area, but, um, but that's not the right tomb. I don't, I don't believe it is. Uh, but interestingly, I then had the spirit bear witness to me very, very powerfully uh, in the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, and I know it bore witness to my children very, very powerfully in the Holy Sepulchre. And I had to ask myself, what uh, it bore witness to me over there, bears witness to me here. And suddenly I realized, yeah, it was never about the place. The Lord doesn't really, uh, I, I don't think he cares if we know where the exact spot was. What he cares is we, uh, that we know what it was, that it is real, that it is true that Christ died and rose again, unbelievably and, uh, well, not unbelievably, really, but it, it, without divine power, unbelievably, right? Without the incredible miracle that it was, there's no way that can happen. People don't rise again. And I can remember then looking again in that garden tomb and thinking it's not the right place, but still trying to picture it. And wondering what it was like for that body to, to suddenly breathe in again. Just, and maybe resurrected bodies don't breathe. I don't know. But I pictured it that way, just breathing in again. And Christ's spirit being in that body again and opening the eyes and rising up from where he'd been laying. And as a result, we can all rise again. Uh, it was not... Uh, but so that happened to me uh, that second time was in 2010, and a few years later in 2016, 
I was back again and bearing witness uh, to some students about the reality of the resurrection. Uh, this would have been summer of 2016. At this point, my father was uh, far along in falling prey to Parkinson's. And in fact, uh, less than a year later, he would uh, die from uh, complications due to Parkinson's. And I knew he wasn't too far away from that. I knew he wasn't. And as I sat there bearing testimony of... Uh, of the resurrection, I, I couldn't help but think about my father, who I wasn't sure if he would live till when I got back from Jerusalem. I prayed that he would, I hoped that he would, um, but I knew he didn't have forever left. And I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed with gratitude for the reality of the resurrection and with the knowledge that the resurrection is real absolutely overwhelmed with that knowledge. Um, and as I said, less than a year later, he, he did pass away. And the first Sunday I went to church after he passed away, uh, the closing hymn was, If You Could Hide a Co-op. And uh, at the very end of, of at least, uh, there are verses I think we didn't sing, but at the very end of that, there's this line that you sing twice. Um, there is no death above. There is no death above. And again, the spirit bore witness to me that that was true. There is no death above. And the reason for that is because Christ came and suffered for us. And then he rose again. And of that, I delight in bearing testimony. And I'm grateful to bear testimony to you of that, that Christ, that God really, really did send his son. His son really was willing to condescend and to partake of all the bitter experiences and difficult experiences of mortality, and then to do so in a way that goes beyond anything any of us have a hint or a shadow of, to experience all of the worst parts of mortality and a fallen world in an exponentially intense way, so much so that it, no one else could have done it. And to do it voluntarily and to die voluntarily and then to take his life up again, to conquer death and to conquer hell and our fallen natures because of his suffering and his death and then overcoming it. What an incredible gift. And I bear witness of that, that it really happened. And I know it happened. And I bear witness of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.